The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. The Investment Fix podcast. Tune in today. Did you know that there's Titanic truthers? Oh. That... (laughs) What, it never sunk? Well, what, there's people that say, like, it was all uh, set up to kill the richest people because they were trying to pass the, like, is it the Federal Reserve uh, Act or that? Yeah, so there's that. Yeah, and yeah. then there's new people uh-huh. who say that the Titan didn't implode and stuff. It's fascinating. So what did the Titan, what did the Titan do if it didn't implode? Well, do we even know that it existed? Mm-hmm. Poignant. Or as my auntie yeah. would say, so poignant. <laughs> <laughs> Tēnā koutou katoa, this has gone by lunchtime, it's July 19, 2023. Kia ora Annabelle Mather. Tēnā koe, Toby Manhire. Hello, Ben Thomas. So, what are we, day 88, 87, 89, 75 until advance voting opens. Okay. Which is some... That makes it sound more manageable. Yeah. (laughs) Just over 10 weeks until... We're just going to break it up. Anyone can do anything for 75 days. Yeah. And Samuel... Kia ora. Good morning and thank you. Some exciting news. We are going to be in Ototahi for the Christchurch Word Festival doing a live podcast on Sunday, August 27. Love to see you there if you are able to come along. If you need any help with the ticket price, you can just withdraw it from your KiwiSaver now, I think. You can, if you need help getting a spin-off membership, just go to the KiwiSaver. The KiwiSaver is now just a general pile of cash that you can... Um, remove money from for your ski gear. Anything else you'd like to? I mean, we won't be doing that, of course. No. I mean, we're funding our trip down with a four hundred million dollar grant from the Provincial Growth Fund, <laughs> <laughs> the Provincial Growth Journalism Fund. Po- yeah, podcasts. They're the new books. Uh, quite a lot has happened in the fortnight since we last spoke. Uh, it's yeah, it does feel as though we're entering campaign mode. I don't know, phony campaign mode, actually campaign mode. Stop swinging your seat, Ben. Thank you. Well, God, you're like, so like, strict, like our political parties, I'm in a state of high agitation right now. And what about your janglies? How are your janglies today? Have you been policed by Sam about your janglies? Am I okay? No, please take <laughs> them off. Okay. <laughs> um, here we are with uh, my friends Jangly and Squeak. I'm gone by lunchtime. What have we had in the last fortnight? We've had uh, green policy on returning illegally seized Māori land, a slew of law and order policies from Labour, the return of Parliament after a recess for a three-week block. Uh, National has announced a strike wrapped a pothole force. There was that KiwiSaver rental bond thing that young Nats came up with, which was quite fun. The Dawn Raids report. ACT released its list. Labor launched a slogan. Uh, there's a lot to get through. We'll come back to some of that, probably not all of it. But let's start, shall we, on 
Chris Hipkins announcing from either Stockholm or Vilnius, I don't know which, uh, sending a statement back to New Zealand in the knowledge that the official information of from the budget planning process was about to emerge, saying that he would not be proceeding with any wealth tax or capital gains tax. It was a captain's call. He was overruling his finance minister, Grant Robertson, and revenue minister, David Parker, who were pretty keen on this, and we had all that kind of, um, uh, we had all the process of the big report and a whole lot of kind of lead up to it. And Chris Hipkin said, cross my heart and hope to die, never, 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 ever, as long as I'm prime minister, will I ever, ever go near a wealth tax or a comprehensive capital gains tax. Annabelle, the... The surprise wasn't that he did that because he's been very, very focused, bread and buttered all the way since he became Prime Minister at the start of the year. Chris Hipkins totally focused on the election, full-on pragmatist. The surprise in a way was that that he uh, entertained the idea for so long so that it came into the public. But do you think this is – how does this play with Labour? Is this the kind of final nail in the coffin of the transformational – energy that was witnessed around 2017? Was it not a surprise? I was surprised. You were surprised? I was surprised, yeah. I I didn't expect the changes to be implemented before the election, but I was expecting that given they'd spent hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars on on the research, that it was going to form part of their their policy plank for the upcoming election. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it, it... it shows that this that this Labour government is, you know, more performative than transformative. Um, why they even bothered undertaking that work in the first place on, on a wealth tax? Wealth tax, the the mind boggles. It's a bit like all the um, energy and focus that's gone into, you know, sorting out what's happening with with our with the price of, of groceries and at the end of it we get a grocery commissioner, commissioner who does yeah. absolutely nothing. So I think, you know, this government is very committed to just keeping people's noses above the water level. You know, it's a, a, a survive rather than thrive approach to, gov- to government and it, mm. it shows that what they care more about is being in power than actually providing the transformative change. The other thing that I find strange too or that strikes me is that, you know, we've had the polls that show that more than 50% of people support the introduction of a wealth tax. But uh, I think it was in the House or maybe in an interview, you know, it was said, well, a poll is is not a mandate, and that's mm. correct. Mm. But what is a mandate is the super mandate that the government received back in twenty twenty to govern. And there's an upcoming election, which you know well, that, I think that, you could where, say is also a mandate. mandate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and yet they they won't do it. It's just bizarre. And I think people will look back at this Labor government as probably the worst performing Labor government since since the Longy government wow. of the of the 1980s and mm-hmm. I think in decades to come like political students will 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 study these guys and you know they've they're going to become this weird phenomenon of when you have like such an incredible mandate to govern and you choose to not use it at all. Wow. Ben. 
Yeah, I tend to think that the public is actually pretty forgiving of these so-called tax switches. <laughs> um, we had one when I was um, working for the key government, which was – uh, I think it was in the second year, maybe 2010. Yeah, it was quite soon after. And and, and Key had said, we will not uh, increase taxes, we won't increase GST. <laughs> Yeah, and he said that, and, and then he said, "Oh, we might have a bit of a tax switch, uh, yeah. tax switch coming up in the budget, but it'll be budget neutral. Yeah, it won't cost anything. It'll be, you know, re, 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 we'll just be rebalancing. Yeah, the, which is which is something that David, David Parker had made mention of repeatedly, and that was the the plan as as proposed. Yeah, that's right. And and what happened is he raised GST or English raised GST. It wasn't revenue neutral. <laughs> it cost about two billion dollars a year. It was pretty expensive, actually. Um, but people people were forgiving of it because, first of all, they liked it because most people were better off, particularly middle, you know, median voters. Um, well, it was a tax cut, or, 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 tax or, or, cut. Or, or they at least felt better off because their income tax had gone down, GST had gone up a little bit. But, you know, in terms of sort of mandates, generally you can actually take the public with you as long as people are no worse off. Right, and sometimes I sort of think if we're ever going to actually have any kind of capital gains tax in New Zealand, you almost have to sort of impose it almost by stealth in the sense that, you know, you'd have to design it very carefully so that most people saw an, an immediate improvement in their, you yeah. know, in their income sort of, uh, you know, in, the, in their PAYE, you know, each month or whatever. But otherwise you will always get caught in this minefield of, well, what about the, um, you know, what about the land underneath the home office in your family home that, you know, how's that going to be treated by the capital gains tax? And you'll always have uh, political leaders who will flag and not know the detail and, and, and the sort of uncertainty will sort of sink it um, you know, on behalf of a whole bunch of people who would never be actually caught by these taxes but, um, you know, would, would be worrying about it. You know, when people see the effect of it, um, they tend, you know, of, of, of these so-called tax switches, they tend to be more forgiving than just hearing about a new tax coming. Sure. And, and, this, and the pitch here would have been a tax-free threshold or a tax-free zone. Do, as do, they, do, no no tax up to $10,000, yeah. which, I mean, you know, that's, that's a pretty – It's what they have in Australia, right? It's, it's an honourable tradition yeah. to go for, to, to go for a, a zone of no tax. You know, there are sufficiently few people who would be earning under $10,000 that, you know, they would get away with, you know, paying no tax and not quote-unquote contributing to, you know, our common good or whatever and having a stake in society. Um, and, well, you know, sufficiently few to make it any different from now where there's, you know, shitloads of people who pay no net tax. You know, the the, the burden is, is, is vastly borne by sort of, you know, those on above average incomes. But yeah, I, I mean, I would have thought if, if if there was a time, the time was now. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're staring down the barrel, not not a defeat, but so you were then about you you thought it, thought it was a surprise. You you would have. I, no, I don't think it was a surprise. I think you know we, we know that Hipkins is is, is so risk averse, cautious, and also look at what and you know when Phil Goff was up there against uh, John Key defending capital gains tax when. David Cunliffe tried it when Jacinda Ardern had to make her own captain's call in the course of the 2017 election. Well, she made a couple about capital gains tax. <laughs> she, she brought it back as a captain's call and then she killed it as a captain's call all right. within the yeah. space of about four yeah. weeks. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and After she had cast her own vote, which mean, <laughs> which mean that she possibly voted for herself under false false pretenses. But as, as, as Bernard Hickey sort of has outlaid at some length and um, – 
when you when you plot out what happens next, the fact that Hipkins has brought it out for the duration of his prime ministership, whether it's so, if he were to if Labour to were to win, it's out out then. Obviously, National aren't working out how to introduce a wealth tax or a capital gains tax. They're in fact removing some of the bright line uh, provisions. We're talking the, the if New Zealand needs Annabelle a fundamental reshaping of the tax system, it's not happening for 10 years. No, and the irony is, is you know, National has had to back down on, on their plans to provide tax cuts to people. So, I mean, the, the difference between National and Labour in terms of their policy is, is pretty marginal now. It's if we want yeah. if we want change, then it it has to come through the minor parties having enough um, leverage in their in their negotiations to be able to drive through some of their tax policies. I wonder whether I mean Labor's tax policy is expected any day now. You know, it could it could it could even be this week, and I wonder what they've got left to do. Do they? Do you think Ben try another thing? Try another bit of political snooker, really, by adding another percent to the over 180k rate, which was that one that Robertson added last time, in order that they can say National is trying to <laughs> trying to uh, protect a small tax increase. People is that is that what happened? Because I mean, otherwise, well, there isn't doesn't seem like a huge amount of room to manoeuvre. It's hard to see how you could introduce a, a tax free threshold without any concomitant. I mean, revenue. I mean, the, that that one hundred and eighty thousand threshold, you know, new bracket has actually worked out quite well for them. I think they ended up collecting about twice as much as they expected, sort of about four billion instead of two billion or something like that uh, per year. <laughs> so, you know, if you, you wanted to whack another cent or five cents or anything onto that, you know, that the, then there, you know, if you put another five cents on it, you might start really sort of irritating the kind of, um, you know, the bureaucratic class and the white collar sort of left wing supporters. But yeah, look, I, I would expect, you know, if, if there was going to be any movement there, it might be yeah, sort of one cent on the top, minus one cent on the bottom sort of thing. Yeah. But um, more likely, I think we'll just probably just see more tax credits, more of these sort of basically $20, you know, government gift vouchers essentially that sort of get handed out as either a winter energy payment or a, um, or is it working for families, you know, child tax credit or whatever. And it's basically just, uh, yeah. Susan St. John actually wrote a, um, a good piece about this. And, you know, nobody would ever accuse Susan St. John, uh, economics lecturer at Auckland University, of being a frothing righty uh, or an economic concern. And she said, you know, who cares about the wealth tax and the capital gains tax and the tax switch that was abandoned? Mm. Because you're really just tinkering around the edges. Mm. As she pointed out, you know, the wealth tax was sort of discounted because it had huge compliance costs. I think they said the compliance costs of chasing down you know, the wealth of these high yeah. net worth individuals would be about 30, 20, between 20 and 40% of the revenue you raised, which is massive compliance. And then, you know, one one in 12 of them would probably go overseas and remove their asset base from New Zealand and, you know, gets very complicated. Very complicated. But wouldn't they just be subjected to, you know, other types of taxes overseas because most places do have, like, 
those types of taxes in place already? Most places have asset taxes. Well, most, most places don't have wealth taxes. They, they, they don't have ongoing wealth taxes. I mean, there are things, year, you know, there are things like the UK has taxes. an inheritance tax, for example. You know, there are a bunch yeah, of different... Sure. New Zealand is quite unusual in lacking any of these sorts of mechanisms. Y- yeah, for, this, this wealth tax that was proposed was pretty unusual, though. The, yeah. The David Parker's I mean, the, brainchild. The, 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 yeah. On the Susan John point, I mean, I, I read that piece and thought it was good, too. The, 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 what I thought it missed was that just because the, the, the yield is not massive on the proposal, you kind of break the seal, right? Like you have to it's a, it's about introducing something new that you can then Yeah. But but the the other point that she made is you know I, I remember being sort of slightly exasperated by this sort of in the mid two thousands, a million years ago, where it was sort of Don Brash versus Helen Clark and they were you know, Don Brash was promising twenty bucks a week tax cuts. Helen Clark was offering between ten and twenty five dollars a week and working for families and you know, it was sort of well, who's which which of your estranged parents is offering you better pocket money, right? Now we're still talking the same sort of of margins and amounts. We're still sort of talking twenty bucks here, twenty bucks there, whatever. You know, that's that that would have been the net effect, uh, you know, for middle income earners for that um, you know, under that labor proposal. Now you know, maybe you have benefits from rejigging the tax system, but we've got to get out of this mindset that the government is going to make us rich by giving us a fresh $20 note every week. No, but, but that's not what people think, Ben. It's not about taxing to get us all personally rich with a bit of extra money. It's about being able to invest in stuff like flood assets and the health system and yeah, education switch, and those sorts and, of and things. And well, but no, but like wealth taxes are. Revenue neutral. But, yeah. well, but something like a wealth tax could be. That would, not not that the way would, that it was proposed. No, but it, I think the I think the point is that once you start mm. introducing a kind of paradigmatic shift, then you can use those new because at the moment we're relying on bracket creep, you know, which which Roger Douglas was um, writing a seven hundred page letter denouncing just yesterday. You know, I mean, that's the argument, isn't it? That you need to change the fundamentals of the system in order to deal with the requirements up at, you know, the, the, to do with infrastructure, to do with. Properly funding. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think it, it it relies on this idea that we have super we have this cadre of super wealthy who are just as wealthy as the wealthy in other countries, um, and they can pick up the slack of our sort of underpaid. But you know, our our, our rich people are poor compared to rich people overseas, right? It's you know we are overall we are just a, a we're we're relatively low income country with a poor capital base and we don't have enough capital even if you even if we went and ransacked all of the rich new zealanders and took literally just took all of their money and poured it into the government accounts you know it will be gone you can know, we do peter like, teal first that's all i'm asking yeah, well, I rewatched the Bling Ring, so we could just go and see if there's a key under the mm. safe safe house in the mm. South Island and the mat behind the door. Annabelle, you talked about the smaller parties, and it is it is interesting in terms of this battle for the proverbial median voter in the centre. The latest poll that came out this week, which is now called Varian, mysteriously, having previously been called Kante, having previously been called Conway Brunton, for One News, had the two main parties on 68% combined, which is pretty low. And that, it's, it's, it has, we haven't seen that since around 2002. 2002, we're, we're heading towards the lowest Labour 
national combined vote since 2002 in this election, and we've sort of talked about some of the reasons for that. It's interesting in terms of the way it plays out in, in discussions in the campaign, which can become very repetitive and tedious in terms of what bottom lines and rulings out and all that sort of thing. An example, I guess, in the last week was the Greens released a policy on Māori Whenua, which even they didn't seem that convinced was <laughs> going to happen in, in government. Can you talk about that policy and uh, whether you think that should be something that's up for grabs in a potential post? It is such a fantastic policy, and I really hope that they hold the line on it. So they're, they're proposing a $350 million fund to buy back um, Māori land that was taken illegally through raupatu or confiscation. They're proposing that no more Māori land is taken by the Public Works Act and all over the country there's stories of incredible injustice where, where Māori land has been taken under the Public Works Act, not used for the said purpose, and then um, the, the the government or the local council who's ended up with it um, refuses to return it to Māori. Um, and, and the other thing they're promising to end is perpetual leases, which again is another incredible story of injustice and anyone who says that, you know, we have one law for all in New Zealand, um, who knows about petrol leases, you know, should should just give us be... The, give us the 101 on petrol leases. Ben probably has a better understanding of the history of it than I do, but basically when you couldn't confiscate land anymore, the Crown came up with a new way of, of removing land from Māori. Um, we've just spent some time on the East Coast and in Tokomaru Bay there was something called the Native Township Act, which basically remo- took Māori land from its owners. They remained the owners, but they put it into what's called perpetual leases. So that's when you get to lease land for extended periods of time at not at market rates at like peppercorn rental rates, so you're paying an incredibly low amount, and maybe every 25 years the lease comes up, but you have the right to renew the lease, and the only way Māori can get their land back from the lease is to buy it at market rates from the person from from whoever the leasee is. So not only did they get the benefit of having this cheap land for decades and decades to farm and whatnot, but when they're finished extracting the value from it, um, they then get to sell it back at a market rate. The the problem so not only is that unjust, but the problem too is that even when it comes up, Māori aren't getting to buy back their whenua because who has a lazy 800 grand or a million dollars or whatever it might be lying around to purchase their own land back? So even when the when the leases agree that we don't want it anymore, we're going to flick it off, Māori don't even, Māori are still missing out. And there's examples of it all around the country, but, you know, the East Coast, there's um, a movement happening in Tokomaru Bay to... Um, 
to, to highlight what's happening. And actually Liz Kirikiri and the Green Party have done a lot of work in this area. It's an important one. So I really hope the Greens stick to their guns on this. Was it Waitara? Was that, that was a perpetual lease one, wasn't it? Waitara, where I'm from in the South Island, um, uh, Greymouth, Marfeta, we, we were all subject to, to peppercorn rentals back then. So it's all over the, the country. And, and, and it, it is something that people, yeah, people don't know a lot about. Mm. There was um, when I when I first started working in treaty settlements, an official was telling me about one of you know they were saying what turns out to be controversial. You know, you can never really be sure. <laughs> and there was there was one which is, I think, returning um, returning not even returning the land, returning market rates or, or returning the land with market rates to on on a block of land in Taranaki to the local iwi. And, you know, they were expecting a big outcry from the farmers and the farmers were very unhappy. And there was a ZB interview where, you know, one of their sort of, you know, conservative sort of firebrand, you know, hosts said, wow, you know, what's what's all this? What's all this, you know, Maori mumbo jumbo that's happening down there? And, you know, this farmer was like, oh, it's terrible. You know, they're, 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 um, you know they're they're trying to, they're trying to get us to pay market rates on you know this this land that we've had leased you know for the last hundred years and, and ZPS was like what they want you to pay market rates well that's fair isn't it you know yeah. and, and, it sounds and, and insane it's, eh? yeah it's one of these things that you you know you try and and you know there, there are arguments you know like and then far, they all got compensated yeah far, far, <laughs> farmers will say things like oh we've invested a lot of capital over the years and so we've put you know but but there's there's got to be a way through that isn't just you know basically your entire property rights are expropriated but they could, they, to yeah another. but they could afford to put the investment yeah, the, into it because they were right. getting it for dirt cheap oh no no, no yeah yeah exactly it's just and, and insane so and um, you know, in the Public Works Act um, initiative for the Greens, very good idea. I mean, mm. most of the public works in New Zealand was built on Maori land, and mm. the reason for that was that you know it was one of these sort of vicious cycles where, under the legislation governing Maori land, um, you know, in, in order to sort of you know keep it in the keep it in the family and stuff, you you, you know it was all multiple owners. Mm. Um, but because of that, the Crown said. Well, because of that, you can't you can't do as much with it. You know, it's hard. you can't sell it. You can't. That means its market price is less. And so, when the crown was coming to to compulsorily acquire land, it had to pay whoever it compulsorily acquired it from. But it valued Maori land as less mm. because it couldn't be sold on the free market. And so they would they would go, well, this is a bargain. <laughs> We were only going to take Māori land, yeah. and and also, you know, there was less political blowback for it. So pretty much everything, you know, pretty well, not not everything, but but by and large, where land was taken for public works in yep. New Zealand, it's been Māori land, and you know, vastly disproportionate. As Annabelle said, a lot of it, it didn't end up being used for the proper purposes. Um, you know, often those purposes were to build roads for Māori or hospitals, or, you know, and that, those often just mm. sort of fell off the bottom of the, the spreadsheet. Of the to-do list. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and so... There's a great example, actually, of, like, the Kaikohe aerodrome. Have you heard about that? So it was taken from the Weihungi family to build, um, like, a, 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 a an airstrip during the war, which never got built, but then it got turned into an airdrome and is currently like rented out to the the gliding club and and some some farmland. And they've been told that they even though you're supposed to return it, they, the the council will only return it if they pay for it at market rates. 
But wait, there's more because it was originally taken by the government when all the Alan Titford stuff kicked off in the 80s and Labour said that private land was no longer um, able to be part of treaty claims. Mm. The government went around and dropped a whole lot of land, publicly owned land, into the ownership, transferred it into the ownership of local councils where it would be out of reach of, of the Waitangi Tribunal and that land was one of those blocks. Yeah, and the the in in terms of the use of private land, private land and private property does occasionally get used in treaty settlements. Um, very occasionally, and it's on a willing, willing yeah. selling, willing seller, willing buyer basis. So sometimes um, we actually actually that happened a lot during the GFC. Um, people who had overpaid for land um, would sometimes try and offload it to the crown and oh, say, that's we're, so desperate. "We're desperate, <laughs> like the property prices plummeted by thirty percent," and they'd be like, "We need to, well, yeah. we really want this to go back to its but, traditional yeah, owners." But, yeah. ben, 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 your your old boss. It is the song about heart that this but, 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 Ben be returned. But some people are a lot more genuine about it, and, <clears> and you actually do end up uh, getting you know very valuable or significant pieces of land. Right. And, and, and your old boss, Ben, Chris Finlayson, was on the radio this morning saying, you know, this stuff has been undertaken as best it can be under a process that exists, which is the treaty settlements process. And this is fantasy land from the Greens because it would reopen a whole bunch of a whole, whole, whole lengthy decades-long process. The, the, the part of the policy that can't, that can't happen is the bit where they want to get rid of the previous deadline for lodging Waitangi Tribune or historical claims. The historic claims. claims. And, and, and they Which should re- never have been introduced in the first place. And, and they want to reopen all mm. claims, right? But it, it's... Interesting. So it could be in terms of going back to that point about um, the smaller parties in there, it could be that there are parts of this policy that could end up in a coalition agreement and parts that, that, that might not, I suppose. Well, it all depends on what happens. You know, it's just a numbers thing, isn't I, it? I the more you're, the you're, more they're desperately needed to form a government, then the more sway they'll have. Yeah, I think you'll definitely see movement on, say, the public works thing because there's, there's, there has been movement, you know, by both national and Labour governments over the last 10 years sort of to to, to claw back the ability of the government or, or the, the attractiveness of Māori land. At Z, we're all about moving with the times. And now it's time to be part of the climate change solution and move on from fossil fuels. As a company providing fuel to people all over the country, we also know we have a real opportunity to lead that change. We're committed to keeping Aotearoa moving by providing the right energy for everyone. We believe that innovation in fuel and how it's used can make a huge difference to our planet. Find out more at z.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Can we talk about the Dawn Raids thing and about that was it was last week, but the Mike Heron Casey report was published in which and he he'd been tasked with looking into the ongoing uh 
dawn raids, you know, out-of-hours raids on on alleged overstayers, um, including in South Auckland, including Pacifica and quite a lot of Chinese, uh, by Immigration New Zealand, which... uh, on the face of it, ran rather counter to a very <laughs> ostentatious, uh, powerful and moving 2021 government apology for the dawn raids of the 70s. And Heron said in the course of that report that it did appear to ring hollow, appear to make that 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 process, that performance ring hollow in the light that it had continued. How... How serious do you think that is? And is there an argument that it is, in a way, a kind of microcosm for the harshest criticisms that can be made levelled against a Labour government that seems to sometimes value uh, form over content announcement over (laughs) delivery? I mean, some of that's caricature, but it did feel in the moment to be quite a powerful... uh, metaphor microcosm for something bigger? Mm. Well, first and foremost, I think it was absolutely warranted that the government apologise for that racist, revolting policy of of dawn raids. Um, What's happened since really speaks to, I guess, the ineptitude of this government and probably well and truly dispels the myth that um, Chris Farfoy was an effective minister when he was the Minister of Immigration at the time. Um, uh, I mean, I I think you're exactly right, Tobe. I think that it it speaks to, again, the performative approach that Labour has taken to these issues rather than, you know, doing the basics of, you know, calling immigration and making sure that they don't go and raid people's homes first thing in the morning anymore. And, you know, it's important because in this country we have special laws about home invasion. We recognise that invading people's home is a really traumatic thing, not just for them but for their tamariki and, and all of that. So, yeah, I mean, it's just incredibly disappointing for the Pacifica community but also for for the communities that seem to be the primary target of, of this type of, of raid now, which I believe is the Asian community. On the other hand, the Labour Party did launch a slogan on the weekend, Ben. We're, we're in it for you. Mm-hmm. Or just in it for you. In it, yeah, in it. In it, in it for you. I think a more we, honest slogan. We, we have slog- you surrounded. I think a more <laughs> honest slogan would be in it to win it. <laughs> We're outside. <laughs> we, um, I, I think there's two things with the. I mean, yeah, like it, it presents itself as such a perfect and tantalising image of this government, sort of writ large, particularly under Ardern. Um, you know, the, the the sort of you know the the the, the harsher criticisms of Ardern, which through that. You know, it was all just about emoting. It was all about empathy, but you know, it, it, you know, some summed up in you know that old you know that tweet from you know a few years ago, which was you know, can, can we have living wages? You know, national no, labour no, heart. You know, <laughs> and like, um, and and. I think, in a way, I feel a little sorry for them because, I mean, I'm not sure that the objection to the dawn raids was simply these are raids that happen out of hours. 
you know, I, th- I think the dawn rate... Bro, they the, were raiding schools at Western yeah. Springs College. They had yeah. this, like, bunker that they used to hide their Pacifica children in because the police would come and raid the school. It's unbelievable how bad it was. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the, the objection to the dawn raids was more sort of... It, it was the... <laughs> It was that, you know, we had invited all these people here. Yeah. We needed them yeah. for our, our manufacturing base. We we were desperate for Pacifica workers. Mm. And then as soon as, you know, economic conditions changed, the economy started, you know, going a bit down, downwards and, you know, inflation increased, things like that. Suddenly there were surplus to requirements and, and, and there was this sort of military-style operation to, you know, hound these people out of the country. And, you know, mm, so, I mean, obviously right. the shameful, shameful chapter mm. in New Zealand's history. Mm. But I, I, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that the, the worst part of the Dawn Raids was their timing, even though that's the sort of name that they're given. You know, I mean, I, I, I assume that at some point with, you know, if you're pursuing, if you're ruthlessly pursuing overstayers as immigration, you know, you know, that's part of their job, you know, you're not going to necessarily do it nine to five, you know. There's the, uh, so, I mean, I look, you know, but I... I think I think that's, that's on one hand true, but also it came to itself become, to the re, you know, it captured something about the invasive uh, and cruel and racist nature of it. Uh, that uh, it wasn't, uh, you can start by knocking on the door and leaving, you know, leave, it was, this was, yeah. we're going to catch these, the, these the, people. The reason it's done... and at that time is because it's when people are at their most vulnerable and, and that's what makes it awful. Definitely campaign time, Ben, because uh, this week it's been ordained as law and order week basically by the Labour government. It's like a telethon. <laughs> Remember those from COVID-19? <laughs> We're just going to go through all the crimes just, and smash them. Just gonna spinning a wheel and it's like, it's, yeah. <laughs> well, it, um, the... And it does feel as though a lot of this has been uh, conjured up relatively quickly, as evidenced by on day one. Uh, Cabinet had a few options, Chris Hipkins explained, but when he presented it and in the press release, the it was the one on uh, whether when younger people are commissioned in the crime. It so was so child originally armies. Yeah, it was originally so like, like it's, and it's a, and it's a, and it's like a good Lame idea. Mitz, it's a good have, idea. It is a good idea. Like Lame Mitz. Yeah, you, you, have, you, have, you have these. You have these <laughs> I was trying to understand that text that he said. I was like, Lame Mitz. What? Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, 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 well, I was like, who's Liz Mitz? Is this <laughs> some new act MP that I don't know about? No. Stream of, stream of children living in living in. Under Underground, like emerging to steal baguettes. And <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it was it originally presented as a new offence, uh, but then it turned out in a, in, a, in, a, in a correction email that came out a couple of hours later, it was actually going to be an aggravating factor, and that was to do with whether or not it was just for gangs or more broadly. But it did uh, tell us something, I think, about the speed with which some of this have been put together. Then yesterday we had Kelvin Davis announcing a couple more Tamariki facilities. Youth justice facilities. Uh, I think he should just learn to manage the ones that he's got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I think they've had like a sponsorship deal from Taco Bell. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then and there's more to come. You know, uh, Ram Raids will be banned. I think they'll probably get on with that tomorrow. 
the on the other side of the ledger, the National Party have been going very hard against the potholes, just just very focused on the potholes, just going around glowering at potholes a lot. Also announcing that, I mean, Luxon said, I think, in response to the slogan thing, they'd done 26 policies, which is, you know, you can just see them going, what's today's? What about, what have you got? We're going to O-Week at university. What about, what are they, Let's. does anybody know any young Nats? Yep, we'll get them up on Snapchat. And they say that it's hard to get the bond together. What about if we let them, what about they, would they want to, they want to get into the KiwiSaver to pay for their pay for their rental bonds. So that'll do. 27, 28. Ben, paint us a picture. Uh, yeah. Well, so 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 this is this is sort of a how do you, how do you say it generously? It's, it's almost sort of like um like it really is kind of like you know dumb kid kid. <laughs> well, no, it's 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 it's, 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 it's the ki- it's the kid politicians playing at being grown ups. Bugsy and they're, like, and they're like, oh, you know, there's an exception for KiwiSaver, which is for you know New Zealand's abysmal retirement savings, you know, so that people can avoid poverty and old age. But there is an exception where, in order to you know build up your asset base, you can take out your money to buy a first home from KiwiSaver. And what's the equivalent of that? If you're a student, it's paying your bond. So you can take money out of KiwiSaver for your bond, which then gets paid back. I mean, it's a, look, it's not a it's not a terrible it's a fine idea for if if you think that finding it's bond is a dumb. big policy problem. Well, no, I mean, it, it, it it's dumb in the sense that it adds it adds more and more um, purposes to KiwiSaver, which is a bad thing. Um, because the the more that you um, you know the more purposes you give any policy, the less likely it is to achieve any of them. And yeah, you you will ultimately end up with KiwiSaver just becomes like sort of an ATM or even worse because it's government subsidised, like that horrible Gareth Morgan kind of UBI sort of thing for twenty year olds, where you've just got this government amount of money that you can use to go surfing if you want, or you know spend it on your bond, or you know Labour will expand it so that you can use it to pay your bail to get out of your youth offending charges. For your first car, for your first job. <laughs> That's right. And you, you can pay it your, back with the proceeds of your, of your first smash and grab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a, it's an it's gonna there's an election on. I think that's what we're saying. Really, isn't it? Yeah, people are just grab and get stuff and kind of go look. It's a policy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, twenty eight. Uh, it's it's really fun. It's like when you see, it's like when you go to um, like the budget lockup and you see like TV. You know, people are just TV presenters as opposed to reporters, and they're sort of holding the books upside down. And kind of like, <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're, you know, they've got their reading glasses on, they're chewing on a pencil and stuff. And it's like, you know, it's like all of these people are just like so totally focused on day to day retail politics and chasing headlines and stuff. So, you know, you're like, all right, time to be policy wonks. And they're like, they're like what, what about what about thirty years in prison and lethal injection for, for playing a flute and making children commit crimes? Like, well, that's an aggravating. Is that an aggravating factor, or yeah. is that a? Yeah, judges will be required to take into consideration whether or not they have been involved in the propagation of potholes. <laughs> It's like if you post if you post uh, social media video if you post so, video of your your youth offending to social media or TikTok, like that's an aggravating factor in mm. sentencing. Mm. Um, if you 
<laughs> you know, if 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 you if you post like a, a Wojak like troll face emoji yeah, underneath yeah, like yeah, Michael yeah, Wood, yeah. that's yeah. like three months in prison. Yeah. If you sort of you know take the kind of last three items of food that were required by the next person, that's an aggravating factor. <laughs> Just so many possibilities in this exciting election to come, which will be there beside you all the way. Listeners, let's go. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.